Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, visit BetterHelp.com stuff today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash stuff. Make your business official with Google and Squarespace. When you create a custom domain and a beautiful business website with Squarespace, you'll receive a free year of business email and professional tools from Google. It's the simplest way to look professional online. Visit squarespace.com slash Google to start your free trial. Use the offer code WORKS, W-O-R-K-S, for 10% off your first purchase. Google and Squarespace. Make it professional. Make it beautiful. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerome the Jairs. So this is Stuff You Should Know. Jerry got a piece of mail the other day that said Jerome. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Did think, it have- like real mail, though, right, Jerry? Yeah. I don't know how that happened. Oh, like mail mail, not like fan mail? Oh. Well, Jerry just said, confirmed. Weird. We've been doing a lot of this Jerry translating lately. Yeah. That's really weird. That's bizarre. I mean, I sold your address to a mailing list, but I've never been reimbursed for it. (laughs) So, uh, how how are you, sir? Great. We are fresh off our live shows in Boston, Mass. Right. Ma. And uh, Washington, D.C. D.C. And uh, big thanks to everyone that came out. Those were a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And thanks to uh, the Brightest Young Things for having us to the Benson Ball with Tig Notaro and yeah, all that. Yeah, it was wonderful. We got to meet Tig. She was just as nice and nonplussed as I would have hoped. Exactly. She didn't make a fuss. No. Nor should she. Wait. I not- mean that in a good way. Wait, isn't nonplus the opposite of what you think it means? I don't know. I think How, nonplus you know, means like you're you're agitated. Means you're plussed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'd learn things all the time on this show. Yeah, That's me too. That's my favorite part of my job. And uh, most specifically, the most recent thing I've learned, Chuck, is that uh, fire, the use of fire, the technological application of fire, that's as far as I'm going, actually predates humanity. That it was Homo erectus, who was the first um, upright hominid who controlled fire. And it was as long ago as a million years. There's evidence of the use, the controlled use of fire by humans as as much as a million years ago. Yeah, it says here uh, in this article that you found that uh, in China, there are hearths of clay, mm-hmm. silt and limestone from like a half a million years ago and... 
you know, signs, like you said, in Africa over a million years ago that people, uh-huh. and these are in caves, so essentially an indoor fireplace. Right, yeah. But, and if you are an anthropologist, you are familiar with the term hearth, but that's usually used to um, describe uh, something that doesn't really resemble the hearth that we'll talk about today. Usually it was yeah. like a, just a shallow depression. Maybe it did have some limestone or some clay or something else to, to keep it from catching fire, but nothing like the fireplaces we know of today. The, the ones we see and say, there's a fireplace, they're actually about 700-ish years old. Yeah, and I think um, the history of the chimney isn't super clear, but <clears throat> by the 14th century in of course, Europe, when you had a little dough, mm-hmm. you could then afford the nice chimney, or maybe just any chimney. Well, actually, yeah, people started to afford chimneys quite a bit. Um, there was, uh, there, especially in, say, jolly old London, there was a lot of chimneys that sprung up. Yeah, they weren't happy about it, right? A lot, a lot of problems that arose, as we'll see later on. Yeah. But, yeah, the um, the it's kind of interesting to see. The fireplace hasn't really changed much in like 700 years. Eh. And then you step back and you're yeah. like, no, actually, that's kind of evident when you think about the fireplace and how ridiculously inefficient it is. Yeah, it's kind of changed. I don't know. It depends what you, it depends what your definition of changed is. A hole in the wall <laughs> with a hole above it that's tall and narrow and leads to the outside. Yeah, within that, there have been a lot of changes. Sure, so. sure, but the overall general design is, has been relatively unchanged for 700 years. It's uh, like toilet paper. Yeah, they're they're not as straight as they used to be. Um, ben Franklin was someone who did a lot of complaining in life. He did. About when, you know, he, he was just the kind of person who would look around the world in, in his everyday surroundings and say, why do people do it like this? That's stupid. I'm Ben Franklin. There's better ways. Listen to me. Right. Take a peek under my silken robe. Sure. <laughs> he very famously wrote that on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, but fireplaces used to get under his skin, apparently, because the design, um, and we're going to talk about this, the traditional fireplace is fairly wasteful. Oh, tremendously so. And it can even make your room colder. Yes, which is counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah. It's like nonplussed. Yeah. I looked that up, by the way. So nonplussed, I'm, I'm correct. The nonplussed means you're agitated. Well, you're it means, uh, it, it means that you are surprised and confused to the point that you are unsure how to react. So not necessarily agitated. Okay, gotcha. Just, um, but you're definitely not just like laid back. No, so Tignatar was not nonplussed. No. She was not confused on how to react. <laughs> right. She reacted the exact way, which is, hi, nice to meet yeah, you. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Yeah, she's just chill. Right. And very sweet. Yeah. I didn't expect, like, some big show, trust me, from anybody that meets us. Well, no. So I just want to put that out there. I didn't want to sound like I was disappointed she didn't like throw those snap crackers and start tap dancing. No, I got exactly what I wanted, which was a, a very nice lady who gave me a big hug and a photo. I think that's come across. Yeah, yeah. That just I'm sensitive to that stuff. <clears throat> Once I start opening my mouth, digging that hole. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Here's a little more rope. <laughs> anyway, um, let let me give you a stat here. Wait, first, I yeah. think everyone wants to hear about how you felt when you met Tignataro. I was super excited. Can okay. you tell? <laughs> how was she? 
so here's a little stat for you. The National Association of Home Builders uh, did a survey, mm-hmm. and I guess this is recent. It doesn't name the year, but um, it sounds recent. People still want their fireplaces to the tune of 77% of home buyers say, and that's, I guess, in the U.S. Yeah, like even in, in, I mean, that's accounting for the hot places as well. Sure. You know, so I would imagine in the cold places, it's probably more like 100%. Yeah, well, remember, I don't remember what episode it was, but we talked about how in New York, it's very gauche these days to to have a fireplace that you use because it's so wasteful. Now, does gauche mean what I think it means? Now I'm doubting everything. It means super laid back and non-plus. <laughs> Oh, so like New Yorkers are like, oh, you have a fireplace? Yes. How not green? Right. Which, I mean, they're correct. There's a lot of ungreenness associated with fireplaces. Brownness. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Especially as far as like air pollution goes. Yeah. Air quality. Yeah. Um, there's Heating a lot efficiency. of problems. Sure. There's a lot of problems that come out of it. Like, for example, uh, I guess if we're going to talk about this for a second, if you are a kid and you have, um, I don't know, respiratory diseases, Yeah, you're far likelier to be living in a house where your folks burn wood. So if you're a kid or, or an elderly person, respiratory distress can be uh, brought on because smoke's going to get in the room no matter how great the fireplace is. Right. Or if you're, let's say, if you already have asthma or something, mm-hmm. you're not doing yourself any favors. Right. By letting that smoke and the particles, particulate matter, creep in there. Yeah, and also, I mean, like, house fires, there's like 25,000 house fires in the United States every year that result in like 10 people's deaths. Yeah, from directly from fireplaces. Yeah, yeah. But, no matter who you talk to, for the most part, they, people say, still worth it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to die of, like, black lung, and my house may burn down before I get a chance to, but I really love fires in the winter, and I'm real, I'm willing to take that risk. So you know my deal, or do you? I don't know. Uh, we live in a house that was built in 1935. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we're renovating it right. still forever. Yes. And we have the fireplace right. that is not used. I know. And it's not able to be used. I know. Uh, unless we pay like some pretty good dough to get it retrofitted and the chimney worked on. And I, for years, have been leaving just little sticky notes and mm-hmm. I'll write it in crayon on the bathroom wall and just little things like, hey, M, how about that fireplace? Mm-hmm. And she says, quit writing on the walls. Right. Uh, we're not getting a fireplace just yet. But maybe. We've been there for like 10 years. When is... When does our life, when do we start living our life? Is my question. With a, with a fireplace. Have you considered trading something she wants for the fireplace? It doesn't work like that in there. Okay. (laughs) Have you considered begging? That didn't work either. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't don't know what to tell you. Well, I mean, you know what I do? I wait till she goes out of town and I, and then then just do do it it. yourself. Yeah. But do it in a terrible way so that somebody, a professional (laughs) has to come in and go behind you. Yeah. And then they have no choice. You're like, I got to get the fireplace guy in here now. There's a giant hole in the wall. Uh, it, long story short though, we still don't have a fireplace and I'm still, despite all the negatives, and I try to lead a green life, but I just, I want that wood burning sure. thing. I don't want, I don't we'll you. talk about the substitutes, but, and that's great if you're into that because they are better in many, many ways. Sure. But I just love that wood crackle, the smell. Yeah. I want that particulate matter yeah. filling my lungs. You and 77% <laughs> of U.S. homeowners. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, most people do say I'm willing to look past the problems for a wood burning fireplace. But like you say, there are there are there's alternatives. That's right. But we're going to talk about all of it here. Should we talk about the parts? Yeah, let's talk about this is this is when I say like there's very little change to the design over 700 years ago. It's true, man. Yeah, I didn't realize some of these parts existed, so um I I did learn quite a bit in this. I thought it was pretty much the firebox and the flue that ran up the chimney. Sure. And that's it. Right. But there's more to it than that. There well, yeah. These are I think these are the improvements that came over time. So you do have that hearth that you mentioned, uh that's gonna be built out of something fireproof. You don't want a wood hearth. <laughs> no, that'd be bad. It's probably rock or brick and that's Paper where you Paper mache. Yeah. <laughs> that's where you sit and drink your bourbon. While you uh, warm your back. It's like an apron on the floor that extends out from the fireplace. Yeah, and it can be even with the floor, as is the case now, or the one I grew up with. I grew up with one of those Mac Daddy huge rock stone fireplaces. Those ones are like, man. And you could sit on the thing. They're the best. They are the best, but they're also like just kid killers, they look like, you know? (laughs) Well, not if you don't climb in it. Oh, okay. Which I never did. Yeah, those, that is pretty nice. What else you got? The Well, so you know, like, the hearth extends out, but sure. if you look usually up the walls along either side of the hole in the wall, mm-hmm. and then above, above it, um, that's called the surround. It's usually yes. made of something either that's the same as the hearth, mm-hmm. same material as the hearth, or some other fireproof thing like tile or brick or stone. Right. And that's just to basically prevent that fire from licking out of the firebox mm-hmm. and setting the house on fire. Right. So straw, no good. No. As a material. Right. Uh, you have your firebox. That is just what you think it is. That's the square, typically, although they're shaped a little differently now. Um, that's the square that holds your fire. Right. Simple. And it's where the smoke starts to collect. Yes. Um, what you're sending the stuff up to... Behind behind the uh, firebox is actually called the smoke chamber, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a transition area in between the firebox, which is where you actually have the fire, and the smoke chamber, which is above and slightly behind it. And there's it's called the throat. It's the opening that that connects those two things. Yeah. And the the smoke chamber smoke box, I think I've been calling it. It actually connects the firebox to the flue. And it's got some pretty cool stuff going on. This is like where where some improvements were made to the design. Yeah, and the flue is surrounded by the chimney. Also, again, not straw. Right. Uh, it's going to be brick, almost always. In the back rear of the smoke chamber, there's a smoke shelf. Yeah, it's concave. Yeah, because if you if you look at a fireplace, you just think it just goes straight back and up, right? Well, the, some of the old designs did. Well, they they were stupid. Yeah, that's why how it's changed some. Right. So if you go, if you look at the back of the fireplace, if you could stick your head up into the firebox, you don't want to do that. By when the there's way. no fire, you don't want to do it. Period. <laughs> you'll see that there's actually a shelf yeah. up there, and it's angled forward too in front of that. Like, <laughs> like I said, it used to be just sort of a cube, and it went straight up. Now right. it sort of zigzags. Yeah. Uh, back and forth a little bit on right. its way to the flue. Uh, that's right. So the whole point of that shelf and the zigzag is so that um, when rain comes in, it doesn't get into the fire. Yeah. It's almost basically a protective overhang. Mm-hmm. And um, it also keeps uh, particulates like soot and stuff from falling into the firebox, too. Correct. 
that smoke shelf underneath it, you're going to have the damper. And, and that is that covering that's, uh, it's movable and that separates the firebox from the place above it. And that keeps, that's, you know, when you don't have your fire, that's when you close. We used to say close the flue. Right. Uh, and we didn't use the word damper in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. But that's technically what it is. It's the damper and you get your, there are different mechanisms, but ours had a little, uh, little, uh, eyelet circle thing that you would stick, uh, we, mm, oh, we yeah. used our fire poker uh-huh. and we would just unhook it and then, uh, close the damper mm-hmm. and that when your fire's not burning, you want to keep that thing open when it's burning, obviously. Well, yeah. Or you're going to find out really quickly. Yeah. If it's closed. <laughs> yeah. It's like an epiglottis for the fireplace. Sure. You know? Well, it's got a throat. Why not? Sure. What else do we have? Um, sometimes there's a chimney damper at the very top of the, the flue. Yeah, I hadn't heard of this. They could close too. It's unnecessary. Oh, you think? Sure. All right. But then, uh, at the very top of the chimney, there's something called a spark arrestor, which is usually like some sort of mesh grate uh-huh. that will allow like gas and, and air mm-hmm. out, but will keep, um, little embers and stuff from going out onto your roof and yeah. setting your house on fire. Yeah, especially like paper tends to float up sure. and out. Uh, the chimney cap can, it serves the same purpose, and that a lot of times is one and the same. Like the, the chimney cap and the spark arrestor are all one piece a lot, a lot of times. Right. Is that it? I haven't heard of this ash dump. That sounds pretty neat, though. Sure. It's basically, I guess, a hatch in the floor right? where you can just sweep the ashes I guess that sounds like in the olden days, right? Uh, when your house was built on, you know, to bricks, and it would just drop into a bucket below, as would your poop. Sure. There were different buckets under your house, right? That collected things. You wanted to make sure you knew which bucket you were grabbing at any given time. <laughs> That's right. You didn't want a surprise. Uh, and then finally, you got your little door. Uh, it's either you know glass or metal, or it might just be a screen. We never had. In mine growing up, we never had the, the glass door scene. Sure. Just the screen. We had one of those in the, in my high school house and it was a, we had a gas fireplace. Yeah. It was fine. Sure. But I was like, this is not wood. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a break and, um, we'll talk about wood after this. everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website. Whether it's an online course or custom merch, Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. 
There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're back, Chuck, and we're going to talk, uh, this would not be a, an apt episode if we didn't talk about basically the physics of how a fireplace works. Yeah. Because there are some physics involved. Yeah. Pretty impressive ones, if you ask me. Yeah, I love this article said, uh, lighting a fire inside your living room, and it kind of hits home of like how kind of crazy that is. Right. And so there are two challenges. One, not setting your house on fire. Two, keep the smoke from entering the room. Yeah. But, yeah, never really thought about it. And everything we just talked about basically was to prevent the first part, catching your house on fire, the surround, the hearth, all that stuff. Yeah. But then if you get a little more into the guts of the fireplace, that's to keep the smoke from filling up in the room. And when you when you look around your house... Uh, you will find that there's a lot of different places for air to get in. And that's actually quite necessary for a fireplace. It's quite necessary for living and breathing. Sure, for breathing. It's important <laughs> for that, too. But yeah. to, to keep a fire going and to keep the smoke from going, filling up your living room, uh-huh. which, again, you'll find out very quickly if you don't have your, your damper open, which I have before. Sure. Um, if you If you have air coming into your house, then you can keep the air, the smoke from the fire going up the way it's supposed to. And, right. and that happens simply because heat tends to rise. Yeah, you, you know, uh, one of the places I get a nice flow of air in my house is from uh, closed windows. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got thin windows? Yeah, we have it. We've only redone a few of the windows. Mm-hmm. That's on my, like, must-do list is right. to get all the windows replaced. Yeah. But it ain't cheap. No. But you're going to... Earn that money back, you know, over time with yeah. efficiencies. But yeah, I have those old windows. Like, you, it can be fully shut, and you can stand, <laughs> and your hair will blow. Right. And I'm like, where's this coming from? It's <laughs> going through the glass. Yeah. It feels like it's defying the laws of physics. It's freezing near my windows. Yeah. No, I remember you mean I had a house like that, and it was, I mean, the wavy, uh-huh. vaguely wavy kind yeah. of windows. Yeah. <laughs> those were thin. It's kind of neat, though, to think that in 2016, I'm living like a settler, basically. <laughs> yeah. In parts of my Churning home. Churning your own butter. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you want to talk about uh, the different kinds of heat? Yeah. So you've got conduction, convection, and radiation. And fireplaces use convection and radiation, but not conduction. Hopefully not conduction. No, conduction means your house is catching fire. That means you're literally touching something hot, correct? Right. Yeah. Uh, but convection, of course, is when that hot air is circulating to cooler areas of your home, in this case. And the radiation is just literally feeling that flame warmth. Yeah, it's, uh, in the case of the fireplace, it's infrared and visible light electromagnetic radiation, basically. There is actually some radio waves and some microwaves produced by a fire, 
which is kind of cool. Yeah. But for the most part, you're feeling infrared uh, radiation and you're seeing visible light radiation, right? Yes. So when you're when you're warming yourself by a fire, you're you're being radiated. Thermal radiation is being emitted from the fireplace. But there's also convection. Yeah, big time. And can, yeah, big time's right. Convection actually makes up most of the way that heat is um, moved through a fire. Yeah. And because you want to keep the smoke out of your house, you're also actually keeping those convection currents from going into your house as well. Yeah. Meaning, as Ben Franklin pointed out, because remember he was a huge complainer, yeah. that most of the heat from a fire is just purposefully being funneled out of the house up through the flue in the chimney. I think it drove him nuts a little bit looking <laughs> through some of these quotes. Yeah, because he really spent a lot of time like <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out how to make a fireplace better. You gotta understand though too, like at at when he was alive, these weren't just for like charm. No, no. They were to like stay alive. Yeah. And the idea that you were wasting all this fuel, I think probably part of it also was the inefficiency, probably drove him nuts. Well, yeah, I mean, he's dead right. Like, you've got so much heat just going right up the chimney. And not only that, when you get that draft, because the fire needs the oxygen. Right. So that's another reason it's pulling this air in. But it's also pulling in, you've got your thermostat on and your heat going. Sure. It's pulling some of that warmer air in and up and out as well. Right. And even air that it's warming through convection, uh-huh. like that's that's being irradiated out of the fireplace, Yeah, it's being sucked in. And as a result, again, that the, when that air is sucked into the fire and is pushed up the flue through the chimney, it's got to be replaced. It's creating what's called a uh, negative pressurization, right? Yes. And that means that air wants to come in and replace the air that's being sucked out and up the chimney. Yeah. So cold air from outside is being drawn in, which is how, like you said before. My windows. Right. Sure. But the, the fire can actually make your house even colder because mm-hmm. it's pushing the warm air out through the fireplace and sucking in cold air from the outside. Yeah. And it's not, um, it says here, here's a stat that said that, uh, a traditional fireplace, can draw four to ten times as much air from the room that it needs to actually burn that fire. Yeah, something like 500 cubic liters of air a minute. Yeah, so compare that to like the, the, the smart fireplace, aka the wood burning stove. AKA the, the TV with the fire <laughs> burning on it, right? Uh, I love a wood burning stove, man. Those are great. Do you, I've never really been into those. Yeah, I mean. I got no problems with them. It's not a, it doesn't, it's not good for every home. Aren't they incredibly dangerous? Like, they get super hot, right? They're really hot. So, like, if you fell onto one or something, well, <laughs> you'd be in big trouble, right? Yeah, you, you don't put uh, the skateboard next to it. Okay. Or the banana peel. Okay. <laughs> Step one. But, um, and, and you know, you're not going to have, like, a super modern house with a wood-burning stove. Like, it's a little more charming in your cabin or something. Actually, I was looking through, I think, a Popular Mechanics or something. It had different types of of, of stoves. Oh, yeah? Stoves. And there are some that are kind of mod. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. So they're trying to bring it into the future? Yes. Well, they're remarkably efficient. Um, I th- well, how much did you say? 500? 500 cubic liters, I believe, of air a minute is sucked into a fireplace, an yeah. average fireplace. And only 20 for a wood-burning stove. Yeah, that's pretty efficient. So they're... Super hot. You can you can cook on them too. You can boil your water and do all sorts of things. Sure, you know. Just don't it. touch it. 
No. But I think the Randazzos had one in their uh, place in Connecticut. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I think it supposedly works super well. Sure. Like, it'll it'll heat a room and then some. Yeah. You know? Well, and the reason why is because it's it's like a, a contained fireplace, but it's not just... You Wide know, open. It, it, it's out in the open. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, you shut the door to it. Right, you shut the door to it, so you're saving uh, the warm air around it from being sucked in, right? Correct. And then it's also removed from the interior of the wall so that it can heat on all sides. Yeah, it's right out there so you can fall on it. Sure. And then the flue itself can go up and then out of the room so that the the hot gas that's being carried out can heat the air in the room around it. Uh-huh. So you've got... That stovepipe? Yeah, you've got a lot of uh, a lot of different ways the air is being warmed in your house by a wood stove. Yeah, I'm going to look into these n- new ones. There's new ones. There's also like uh, very. There's some famous ones that are like mid-century design that are super mod. Oh, um, Swedish ones. Uh, and then there's like there's ones that look kind of like the traditional ones, but they're they're newly built and like they're improved designs. Remember the old uh, '70s fireplaces that were. Uh, like orange um, metal that would that's sit the out one, in that's the room. That's the Swedish one I'm talking about. Oh, really? Yeah. It's based on that old old 70s look? No, that's the one I'm talking about is the 70s one. Oh, okay. Yeah. But there's newer ones, too. Gotcha. But that the iconic orange one, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Like my friend, uh, one friend in high school, Chris uh, Booten, had the, the most 70s house. Is that <laughs> right? Oh, dude, it was wonderful. Yeah. Like it was the orange fireplace surround, like built in a terrarium set type wow. of deal with plants and rocks and things. I think there might have been a little fake waterfall. Was there macrame? Oh, I'm sure there was macrame nice. at some point. But it was just, it had one of those uh, sunken living rooms. Oh, I like those. You know? Yeah. And looking back now, like, it's a super cool, right. like, mod house. Like, people now would be like, oh, my God, it's preserved in time. It's the sure. greatest thing ever. Right. Like, his, he had a waterbed, of course. But, um... One of his walls, his entire wall was like a blown up photograph of like a Hawaiian sunset. Oh, we had a couple of those in our, in our house. Not, not a Hawaiian sunset, but we had like a forest with a, a, a waterfall going through it. And then in our kitchen, a forest mural. Yeah. No, no water. That's very ice storm. Uh, yeah, I've not seen that movie, but I, I can imagine. Cause Great that was movie. 70s, right? Is that in the 70s? Yeah. I mean, like key parties are happening and, uh, mm-hmm. People are drinking uh, eggnog around the, the orange lacquered fireplace. Nice. <laughs> it's a wonderful time. But let's say you have just the regular regular old fireplace to start. Yeah. Right? Traditional you wanna, you brick. Want, you come across it. You say, what the, what the heck is this thing? What do I do? <laughs> well, the first thing you do is you log on to the internet and go to How Stuff Works and look up how to operate a fireplace. Because <laughs> How Stuff Works has you covered, man. Yeah, I mean... Uh, the only thing I could say this would probably be good for is if you've never, literally never started a fire. But it seems like common <clears throat> knowledge to me. Yeah, there's some details in there that, I don't know. Like right. hardwoods, right? You don't want to burn pine or any softwood. Okay. You want your hardwoods like hickory, ash, oak, yeah. that kind of stuff. And you want it seasoned. That's the key. Yeah, you, you can't. Go cut down a tree in your yard and chop it up and burn it the next week. That's not going to work. Because it will smoke and you'll see literally, I mean, when I go camping, we get rooked all the time on firewood purchases. Oh, yeah. And we 
sit down for the evening, throw the wood on there, and you just start hearing the sizzle. Yeah. And you see the water just literally boiling out of it. All right. And we're just like, oh, man. Well, okay. That roadside guy, I'm going to go back. Here's how, here's how you tell. Time. You got to <laughs> test it right there in front of the guy and watch him squirm. Take two logs. Yeah. And you knock them together. Mm-hmm. And what you're looking for is a hollow sound. No thud. Hollow sound. Then you know it's seasoned. Yeah, but he would go like, city boy, that, you know, this is North Georgia, loblolly pine. You don't know what you're talking about. You'd say, well, pine's a softwood. I want hardwoods. Where's the hardwoods? He'd I went to college. Get off my property and leave the boiled peanuts. <laughs> right. You'd say, I'm going to take half of the boiled peanuts for my time. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we always get wet wood, but um, at least six months you want that wood drying out. Uh, they say a full year. What you're looking for is 20% moisture level by the time you're burning it. Right. You could also put in a moisture level temperature or moisture <laughs> indicator in the end. Yeah. There you go. Did you buy in the big city? But you, right. <laughs> you, uh, you look at the, uh, ends of the, the wood too, and you'll see that it's cracked and split. It's usually dark, like gray. It just looked, it looks aged, but the, the, the dead giveaway is the hollow thud sound. Yeah, I'm gonna, I didn't know that, so I'm gonna try that. The hollow thud, or the, I'm sorry, the hollow sound, not the thud. Right. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. So you take your fire, or you take your wood, you put it on your fire grate, although, so this is a, a component of the fireplace. It's not an actual like part of it. Right. The fire grate is like this iron stand. Mm-hmm. It's a grate. <laughs> There's yeah. really no other way to describe it. Although some fire aficionados suggest that you should use what are called andirons. Yeah, I like grates. Which are well, an andiron is basically a grate missing the grate part in the middle. It's basically these two stands, a pair of stands that mm-hmm. go in the fireplace, and it holds the logs aloft. Yes, right. So they burn through. The grate does the same thing, except um, it, it keeps burning like embers on the grate a little more. Mm-hmm. The reason why people are like andirons are grates because, however you have it, a grate or an andiron, you want to keep a bed of embers going. Yeah, because that is going to eventually become hot enough that you could throw anything on there and it'll start to catch fire. Yeah. Um, so when you when you take your split logs, you put them on your grate or your andirons, put a little kindling beneath them, which is like thinner wood that'll catch fire easily. Yeah. Light it on fire. Oh, I forgot. First, you want to pour about a half a liter of kerosene on this. No. To make sure that it, it starts. <laughs> you do not. Oh, is, oh, did I misspeak? That is just a joke, kids. You don't ever want to use any sort of lighter fluid, first or of gas, all, or anything like that to start an indoor fire. Kids, you should not be starting a fire in the first place. True. So stop right now. Yes. This is for grown-ups. That's right. But you do want to use something like, I don't know, newspaper, or just a piece of paper to light the kindling. But no, you don't want to use any sort of accelerant. Well, people don't get newspapers anymore, so you can just uh, light your Kindle or your iPad. Right. Throw that in there. Sure. Instead. It'll, it'll start. <laughs> but that kindling's gonna catch, and if your wood is seasoned, it'll catch too, and then all of a sudden you got a fire. Yeah, you may want to adjust that damper a little bit, to, just to keep your airflow how you want it. Right. Um, and the, and again, when you're, when you're, when you have a fire going, one of the two main things you're trying to do, in addition to not burn down your house, is to keep the smoke from coming back in the room. And sometimes that's easier said than done because every house has something called a neutral pressure plane. Okay? So above the neutral pressure plane, the air is uh, pressurized. 
So it wants to push air out. And below it, air is the, the pressure inside the house is lower, so air wants to be sucked in. So as long as your, uh, your fireplace, your chimney is above that neutral pressure plane, you're gonna be okay. The air's gonna wanna go in. Um, if it so happens that the air around your fireplace is a higher pressure, then the, the air is actually going to be pushed down the chimney into the firebox and out into the room, which is no good. But you can solve it pretty easily by just opening a window and allowing air to come in or go out depending. Or have eight, 90 year old windows. Right. Where you don't have to worry about it at all. Because the air just flows through freely. So, uh, if you want to, you know, we're talking about how inefficient they are. If you want to improve that efficiency, there are a couple of cool things you can do. Uh, one is called a tubular grate, and that is exactly what you think. It is, instead of just a grate um, made of solid iron at the bottom, it is a bit of a cage. Uh, it looks like sort of like the uh, motorcycle uh, exhaust pipes and things. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just, they're tubular, so it's going to draw in the cool air in the bottom of the tubes, and then it's going to rise, and then loop back around and shoot out the top of the tubes into your room. Yeah, which should work in theory. But remember, if your fireplace is working properly, it's sucking air from the room into the fire to fuel it and then shooting it out the chimney. So this air that's being warmed could be sucked right back into the fire. That's right. But if you have it so that the, the, um, the tubular grate is enclosed by some doors, but the ends of the grate can go out into the, the room... Bam, you're set. Oh, is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that. Uh, there's another thing called a, uh, well, this is what, when um, Emily's parents have moved to Georgia now, but when they lived in Ohio, they had one of these recirculators that was a fan, basically. You would turn on a switch, uh-huh. and it would literally blow uh, heat from kind of underneath the, the grate mm-hmm. back out into the room. And it worked really well, but it always seemed to, Blow little stink out with it. Stink? You know, fire stink. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you couldn't see smoke pouring out of it or anything. But it 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 was still affecting your respiratory. Well, I mean, it didn't affect me so much, but I could tell what it was happening. Like every recirculator I've ever seen or been around has Mm kind of had the same deal to me. Yeah. Whether it's gas uh, only or whatever. It always just seems to have this, but you know, I'm very sensitive to odors mm. anyway, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Maybe. I'm a super smeller. Are you? A super smeller? What do you smell right now? I smell, uh, Noel, like three, three rooms over. Wow. You are a super <laughs> smeller. Cause we are hermetically sealed in here. Not true. Uh, and then those glass doors you talked about is another way to increase efficiency, but you're also going to literally just cut down on the heat that gets into the room as much as 50%. Yeah, there's not a lot that you can do to have a dramatic impact on the efficiency of the fire. For the most part, it's going to lose more heat than it puts out. Yeah. You just want to hope that you're, you can warm your the room you're in right. with the fire enough so that you don't mind. Yeah, or if you're just after the aesthetic, then yeah, good for you. You mean I lived in a place where we had a fireplace for a couple of years? Yeah, we like were it? hooked on it. Yeah, hooked on it. Wood, it was wood burning, I guess. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and we we could get that 
that room like hot. Yeah, yeah. You know? Toasty. If you keep a fire going long enough, that's the key. Yeah. You just have to waste more wood than you can imagine. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll take another little quickie break here and we'll uh, come back and talk about some more options and a very depressing history of child labor. Mm hmm. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids, because let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, Josh, we've been talking about wood a lot because it's clearly the superior fireplace. Seriously. <laughs> uh, but you can uh, you can get the old gas Fake log fireplace these days. Mm-hmm. My mom made the switch. Fake logs look pretty good these days. So wait a minute, wait a minute. She had a, f- a wood-burning fireplace and had a gas insert put in? Yes. Wow, okay. So Because she had a, like I had growing up to the gas starter. Uh-huh. Um, so you would light the gas, right. throw the wood on, uh-huh. get it going, turn the gas off. Gotcha. So she just retrofitted it. Um, actually, I did it, my brother, uh, into full gas with the fake logs nice. that um, they, they look good these days. You know, you can arrange them in yourself in right. a way that looks aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> right. They don't come in that mound that's no. shaped to look like three <laughs> logs laying on top of each other. No, they, they, it's come a long way. I'll say that. Don't they have beds of embers now, too, yeah, and all that? That they, kind they of do. catch the little flickery glow? Yep. What is it? Uh, They've come a long way with trying to simulate that look. Pika, pika, pika. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's like the the Japanese word for that, like the little tinkling glow. No, oh, I don't know. I'm saying it wrong, but it's what? a throwback. I said it wrong on some other episode years back. Are oh, you talking about pretty pretty? No, puta 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 puta. Yeah, but that's something different. Yeah, I'll have to go back and find it. Maybe we'll just edit this whole part out. Uh, so the gas logs, um, covering the gas vent. Uh, you're going to burn that fire behind glass. It's going to give off radiant and convected heat. You're probably going to have a uh, air um, 
not recycler, what do I call it? Exchanger? Air exchanger there working as well. Yeah, and one of the reasons it's so much more efficient is because it doesn't require any air from inside your room. Yeah. It it draws air through a pipe from the outdoors because it requires much less, right? Yeah. Um, So it's not going to take any of that warmed air that it's warming for itself to to burn. It's just going to say, you keep it. I'm gas. I'm super efficient. I love you in ways that wood could never imagine. Yeah, that's true. Wood is dirty and and bumbling. And why do you love wood so much more than me? I'm gas. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're getting a new house, you're probably going to have a gas fireplace. If you're getting a fireplace added to a home, it's probably going to be a gas fireplace. Sure. That's the direction they're steering you these days. Yeah, oh yeah. I would guess. Because gas. Yeah, I would <laughs> guess you're, you're going to pay significantly more for a wood-burning fireplace to be built into your new house than a gas one. You think? Yeah, probably just because some, I'll bet there's uh, relatively few, especially down below the Mason-Dixon line, relatively few builders who know how to put in a wood-burning fireplace. Yeah, you got to find a builder from 1973. Basically. Yeah. And he's going to want to give you one of those orange modern jobs <laughs> that you're like, yeah, this is cool, but no, I, I want like the real thing. Yeah. He's like, this is real? So they're very efficient, these gas fireplaces. Sure. Uh, the gas burns cleanly. Uh, they even have them that are vent-free. Um, but people also say, you know what, if your house is uh, not like Chuck's and it is actually pretty tight, as sealed. you call it, and sealed up, Yeah. then uh, they can actually deplete oxygen or moisture can build up. So the jury's still out somewhat on these gas fireplaces. Uh, I say the jury is in. Oh, yeah? And I'm the jury, and I say a vent-free <laughs> fireplace is a stupid idea. It's yeah. pumping carbon dioxide into your house. Yeah. That's not a. That's never good. You would think. Yeah. You can get an ethanol fireplace. This one seems like, okay... Uh, you've seen them before, right? Like if you go to a Marriott courtyard or something like that. Yeah. They'll have like the chair situated around a table with a fireplace in the middle of the table. Uh-huh. It's nuts. Yeah. But it's and just burning is, ethanol. The flame is actually cold. It's basically like, <laughs> yeah, right. It's basically like a sterno fireplace. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you want to light your fondue pot or something like that from beneath? Yeah. It's the same thing, I think. Yeah. Virtually. Uh, and then you can get the... Uh, Woe unto you if you opt for the electric fireplace. Well, there's some now where you can get like an entertainment center. Yeah. With like a TV and then beneath it, a fake electric fireplace. Yeah. It's cool. So an electric fireplace is, has no fire. Um, it is a heater and it, you know, it simulates the look of a fire if you're four years old. <laughs> and squinting. And if you're a squinty four-year-old. Right. Uh, but, you know, we don't want to yuck someone's yum. So if that's your bag, then more power to you. It's uh, just not for me. I have to take issue, though, with this article. It says that it's emission-free. It's emission-free on the user end. Right. It's still electricity, yes. which means it's sure. producing emissions at the coal fire power plant that's producing that electricity. Yeah, that is So don't be fooled if you're like, oh, yeah. it's emission-free. Nope. No. We're going to yuck that yum. Uh, safety wise, gotta watch out for those sparks if you got carpet around or hardwoods, I reckon. 
<laughs> yeah. Keep your bag of oily rags away from the fireplace. Yeah. It's a big one. Don't put, you might want a fire extinguisher, but don't put it in the fireplace. <laughs> right. Itself. Uh, carbon monoxide invent, investing in a carbon monoxide detector is worthwhile. It doesn't have to be like a smart carbon monoxide detector, although right. get one of those if you want. I'm just saying, if you're using a wood burning fireplace, at the very least, get yourself a cheap but decent Carbon monoxide detector. Yeah, get a dumb smoke one. detector's not quite enough. Yeah, I think I think you have to have those now, isn't that the new code? I, I don't know. No. I haven't read the <laughs> zoning <laughs> codes in a while. Building codes. Uh, you should take a look. This is one of those kind of once a year things. Uh, if you know what you're doing, you can at least get a flashlight and kind of look everything over and see if there's anything obvious. Like if your flu cap is no longer on your chimney. Hurricane hit. Yeah, if there are big uh, cracks or anything. What, so what's wrong with yours? Cracks? Like your house would catch on fire? All I know is the guy did a lot of like, uh, uh, Maybe he, was, he just wasn't feeling it that day. No, he, he, he didn't put on a good show. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he came over because he's in, their specialty is old houses and old fireplaces. Okay. So I thought this guy's going to be like, oh great, this is what I do. Yeah, he acted like he didn't want to do the job. Right, but that's what I'm like that's a lot of work, man. You, you're going to have to fix your chimney on the inside, and it's cracked here, and you got this, and you got that. I was like, yeah, it's that's what you advertise is right. you fix old situations. Right. Have you? You should bring somebody else out. Yeah, I didn't like that guy. Yeah. I'm going to bring out someone with some little moxie. But you do, even if you think that your fireplace is doing great, it 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 pays to pay somebody to come out and look at it inside. Like, is it too much to ask for a little energy from your fireplace guy? <laughs> a little wow factor? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, yes, you're correct. You do need a pro every now and then to come out. Uh, they're called chimney sweeps. Yeah. And uh, creosote is something, if you look up creosote, C-R-E-O-S-O-T-E online, uh, it sort of looks like black lava built up on the inside of your chimney. Right, and it, it itself could catch fire. Yeah. And you have a chimney fire, in which case, and it sounds a little counterintuitive, like, well, there's fire going through it all the time. Fire going through it is mm. much different from fire, like your chimney being on fire itself. Yeah, that's no good. And uh, if your chimney's on fire, your house can catch fire fairly easy, especially if you have cracks in there, because it goes... Whoosh, and all of a sudden, some pressure-treated two-by-four is like, oh. You don't want to burn that pressure-treated two-by-four, by the way. It's wood. Yeah. I don't think we mentioned that. No. Uh, one thing you can burn, though, which I wouldn't use, but it's uh, called a chimney sweep log or a uh, creosote log. And it's just a special log. It's sort of like a, a Duraflame it's a prefab log. Right. It's a chemical it, log. But it's supposed to break down that creosote. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know. Something about that made me, my radar went off like, I don't know if that's the best way to do things. Yeah. Don't have any proof, but I hear chemical log that knocks that creosote loose, and it just didn't sound like the smart approach. Well, even the um, the Chimney Safety Institute of America says, no, no. Like, yeah, those things kind of work, but you want, like, actual scrubbing of the interior of your chimney. Yes. Which is what chimney sweeps did. Yeah. And, man, if you want want moxie in your chimney sweep, you go to somebody's parents and say, I want to buy your four-year-old boy and make him my chimney sweep slave. 
Yeah, I mean, earlier we teased and promised a child labor um, horror show, and that's pretty much what things were like in jolly old England after 1666, 2nd September. To the I'm fifth. sorry, 5th September, technically. Yeah. The uh, Great Fire of London changed a lot of things, and one of them was uh, chimneys were a little bit narrower, and they had a lot more rules as far as how clean you had to keep them. And so, like you said, what you would do is you would can't put an adult up there. No, not really. But you can put a five-year-old boy. Or four, I think, is the youngest I saw them doing. Yeah, so you would literally buy a child from a poor person. Right. Stick this boy up in there. They were your quote-unquote apprentice, which uh, basically was child slave. Unpaid child labor. Zero dollars. Right. And actually, chimney sweeping at the time, so after the Great Fire of London in 1666, I believe it was mandated by the Queen or Parliament or somebody that everybody needed their chimneys like kept up with. Yeah. So chimney sweeps became a thing, but they actually swept chimneys free. It was a free service. The way that chimney sweeps made their money was from the soot that they gathered. They would sell it as fertilizer. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, sponsorships. Like they would show up <laughs> right. like their Chevy Tahoe jacket right. or something. He's <laughs> like, nothing gets your chimney clean like Son of a Gun by STP. So um, they would stick these kids in there. Sometimes they would literally light a fire under their butt to make them work faster. Yeah, The kids would shimmy and distort their body to shimmy in this little 18-inch eight in, wide chimney and uh, <clears throat> chip loose this uh, creosote. creosote and soot that would then, because they're working above their head, it would fall all over them. They would take a bath once a week, maybe once every month, maybe once every two or three months, depending on who you're asking. Yeah. So these children are literally not, I mean, if they survive this experience at all, they're not going to live past middle age. Right. So what you just described was a good day. Yeah. (laughs) There were all sorts of other uh, horrible maladies that could come about, deformation of their skeletons, because these kids are like four, five, six, eight, ten, twelve years old. They're trying to grow. They're still developing, but they're spending like hours upon hours every day in these cramped chimneys. So their bones, especially the bones in their ankles and knees, tended to grow in a uh, deformed way. Unbelievable. There's something, the first industrial-length cancer ever identified is called chimney sweeps cancer. Yep. Other people call it scrotal carcinoma. Yeah. Where the the um, scrotum was irritated by soot, and it would produce warts, and these warts, if they went untreated, would turn into a carcinoma, which eventually, if it was if it wasn't cut out, would um, the tumor would grow into the testes and then into the abdomen, and it was a very very painful way to die. Kids like twelve years of age were dying of cancer. scrotal cancer from this. Yeah, you. Uh Get up pre-dawn, you work till the nighttime hours, 364 days a year. Uh, the one day that these kids would get off was uh, May Day, uh, International Labor Day. Right. Uh, they would sleep then, you know, we said they collected that ash and soot and sold it. Mm-hmm. They would store all this stuff in sacks and the kids would then sleep in those rooms. Right. Still ingesting all this stuff in the air. Uh, and quite often they would literally get stuck and die in these chimneys. Here, here's the part where I start to hyperventilate just thinking about this. Oh, from claustrophobia? Yeah. 
There's like this thing called positional asphyxia. Yeah. There's actually a pretty interesting Vice article called like a brief history of people getting stuck in chimneys. Uh-huh. And they actually illustrate how positional asphyxia happens using the Grinch. Yeah. As he's going down the chimney, his feet start to get above his head, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's stuck. You can't get out of that position. Oh, man. This would happen to real live English boys. Yeah. And American, too, apparently, um, who would get stuck in the chimneys that they were cleaning out and would die there yeah. because they would asphyxiate. Their, their abdomen couldn't, couldn't take in breaths any longer, right? Um, it happened a lot. And actually, finally, it happened enough times that Parliament started to get involved. They first got involved in 1788 with the Chimney Sweeps Act, and they said, you know what? This is crazy. Yeah. You guys are buying four-year-old kids. You can't do that. Chimney Sweeps can be no younger than eight yeah. That was their first stab at, 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 re, at reform, right? Yeah. And obviously this is, child labor was a lot different back then as far as how we thought about when kids should work. Right. But, or the idea of childhood hadn't even come about yet. Yeah. But even so, even for a time where it was believed that children should put forth an effort and work, mm-hmm. like, four- and five-year-old kids, it's just ridiculous. Sure, right? They also added, though, that if you are a master of a chimney sweep, uh, you have to make sure that they are allowed to go to church on Sundays. That was the other part of the 1788 Act, right? Yeah. Then in the 1840 Act, they upped the age to 21, which was significant, but apparently it wasn't really enforced until 1875. Right. When this this one kid died, and he was basically the the straw that broke the camel's back for the public. Yeah, his name was George Brewster, and he worked uh, for a a gentleman by the name of William Wire. And I say gentleman, what I mean is a scumbag. <laughs> uh, and he was cleaning a, a hospital chimney, Fullborn Hospital, and he got stuck. And great efforts were made to rescue him. They actually pulled down a wall to try and get to him. He died, and Wire was actually found guilty of manslaughter. And his death was really a big awareness uh, jolt for everybody, and mm-hmm. it became part of the campaign. And um, that was pretty much the end of using kids. Uh, you know, he was apparently the last child to die in a chimney in England. In England. I guess in the U.S. they kept using them for a while. So shameful. Really is. Now, if you see a chimney sweep, tell a four-year-old to go up in the chimney, you call the police because that is illegal these days, no matter where you live. Yeah. Okay? Let's all agree to that. Agreed. You got, you got anything else? No. Fireplaces. Just in time for the fall. Well, yeah, it's in November here in Atlanta and in the mid-80s, so right, ready to get that fireplace going. That's right. <laughs> uh, if you want to know more about fireplaces, including how to light a fire, you can go find that out by typing fireplace in the search bar at House Stuff Forks. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this Grammar Police. Uh, hey, guys, regular listener for quite some time. I finally become angered or inspired enough to write in about something. I used the sandwich technique proposed by Chuck recently, by the way, and I was listening to an older episode, Does a Body Replace Itself? And you guys were talking about emails from the grammar police. Uh, grammar only has strict rules to those who decided that it needed strict rules. As a society, we have a rather dramatic ebb and flow of grammar rules. There's no one entity decide to decide upon the rules, and therefore there's no real right or wrong. You can almost consider it like uh, a fashion in a way. We can all generally agree that double negatives are wrong, much like we can all agree that socks and sandals are wrong. <laughs> 
and yet some will still use them or wear them without a problem. As long as we can understand each other in the, quote, incorrect, end quote, grammar, does not take away from the meaning of your words, then it should not matter. Uh, there are different times in which proper grammar is necessary and scrutinized, and then there are times when it frankly does not matter. Uh, there is a huge debate in the grammar world, uh, the few but mighty, she points out, about whether we should be prescriptivists or descriptivists when it comes to the rules of grammar. Uh, it's a constantly evolving topic, and arguably grammar is a constantly evolving entity. Just thought I'd share my thoughts and hopes that you wouldn't get down on yourselves from the grammar police. And yes, feel free to pick apart my email for grammar errors. Nice. Happy face. That is from Colleen uh, Zaker, an English teacher and grammar enthusiast. Thanks a lot, Colleen. We appreciate that big time. We always love to hear support from people who are like, don't listen to the haters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us like Colleen did, is it Colleen? Sure. Uh, who cares? Actually, I don't know. Goes either way, whatever. Yeah, she said you can call me whatever. Sure. Uh, if you want to uh, get in touch with us like Cauliflower did, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.